Welcome to A Rock or Something podcast. I am Specialist Linwood Thomas. This month we will be talking about breast cancer awareness. Um, TheCancerCenter.com says that breast cancer is a common term for cancerous or malignant tumor that starts in the cells that line the ducts and or lobes of the breast. Breast cancer is not one disease, rather it's several diseases that behave differently. Um, a couple of statistics uh, that I have here are about one in eight U.S. women, which is about 12%, will have developed invasive breast cancer over the course of her lifetime. In 2019, an estimated 268,600 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in women in the U.S., along with 62,930 new cases of non-invasive. About 2,670 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in men in 2019. A man's lifetime risk of breast cancer is about 1 in 883. Uh, for women in the U.S., breast cancer death rates are higher than those for any other cancer besides lung cancer. Uh, and lastly, about 41,760 women in the U.S. are expected to die in 2019 from breast cancer. Though death rates have been decreasing since 1989, women under 50 have experienced larger decreases. These decreases are thought to be the result of treatment advances, earlier detection, through screening and increased awareness. Uh, today we have two guests here. Uh, guests, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Dr. Oliver. I'm the brigade surgeon here with K-426. I'm Command Sergeant Major Scott Mikowski from Regional Command East, K-426. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, first off, um, Sergeant Major, can you share your experience with breast, breast cancer? Um. Yeah, sure. I recently, uh, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, it was stage one. Um, I had to leave here to go home on emergency leave to tend to her um, and her medical treatment. Uh, so my wife has been very proactive in the sense that um, she, checkups were something that she was doing religiously, although it didn't run in her family that we knew about. Um, because of all the awareness, um, it was something that became part of a routine for her. Um, and unfortunately, uh, a year had passed uh, when she should have went. Um, her father had taken ill and was hospice with us. So um, the you had other things going on. You had other things going on. Yeah. So you know, life gets in the way. Yeah. Um, and so she had put it off and waited until I deployed. And found the time to go and the doctors informed her she was in stage one. Hmm. I'm sorry to hear about that. Um, so Dr. Oliver, can you talk to us about some risk factors for breast cancer? The biggest one <clears throat> is family history. Um, so if you, I, I kind of want to preface this with just some like overarching guidelines if that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Uh, so whether it's screening for breast cancer or colon cancer or any kind of cancer, there's a central organization in the United States called uh, the United States Preventative Services Task Force or USPSTF um, and they have guidelines about when people should get screened. They have certain levels of evidence about this too. It's A, B, C, and D. 
Both A and B means they're things that should be offered to everyone because the evidence is good. Um, B, or excuse me, C is uh, something there's not great evidence for, so you shouldn't offer it to everyone, but selectly offer it to patients. And D is, um, means that it, comes, it causes more harm than good, so you shouldn't offer it to anyone. There are no A recommendations when it comes to breast cancer, but they recommend as a B level, which is still really good, for women 50 and over, or 50 to 74, uh, for our population here at Task Force, uh, or K426, that's kind of what applies as over 50, um, would be um, starting to get mammograms every two years. Um, C-level recommendations are 50, or less than 50, uh, getting recommended or getting a mammogram. What that means is you only would offer that to somebody with a history of uh, breast cancer in their family. So say your mom or your sister or your aunt uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer at 45. You should probably start getting uh, mammograms before the age of 45. Does that make sense? The topic of performing self-breast exams always comes up when this is asked. Um, and the US uh, PSTF recommends against doing self-breast exams uh, for all women of, of any age. And the reason is, is it results in increased amounts of biopsies um, that don't find anything. They're just taking out tissue from someone's breast for, for no reason, or even aggressive surgery or radiation therapy, such as uh, having uh, a mastectomy, which is having your breast removed because you're concerned about breast cancer. So if you, if you have your breast removed and you don't need to, that's obviously not great. I'll tell you as an ER doctor, in a, the real life, one-on-one -on -one with patients, when they come in and they say, I feel a lump in my breast uh, and they're concerned about it, <clears throat> I will start the workup for them. In the ER, that usually means getting an ultrasound and telling them they should go to their primary care doctor and ask about it. A mammogram because it's terrifying for the individual patient if they find a lump in their breast. If that makes sense. Uh, if I may, um, and I understand um, what you're saying about that because um, sometimes we we tend to the minds and, and doctors and nowadays are very very, uh, in my opinion, have to be proactive when somebody comes. So they don't want to let their guard down. But um, in my situation, um, it's my wife who noticed a lump and you know she had gotten concerned and um she went to the doctor she didn't go to the er she went to can i can i ask how old she was um it was this year it was this she's my wife is 53 she's gonna be i'm sorry correction my wife is 54 she just turned 54 october i'm sorry time flies uh the fourth of october you so wanna, if you're listening laura i know when your you, birthday you want to back up and um how old is your wife starting major she's 54 years old sir so um yeah she found the lump and then she went to her primary care and then you know she explained that it was something that wasn't right with her um and the doctor ordered her to go to get an ultrasound and then through the ultrasound she went and they know they noticed some abnormalities in in the uh ultrasound and then they said say exactly what you said go for the biopsy um but through the ultrasound i think they they knew something wasn't right when they did the ultrasound. And I think that's when, you know, um, 
it kicks in. Did it hit the lymph nodes? Did it do this? Did it do that? So, you know, terrifying. It's terrifying. So, you know, as a mother of three boys, it's. I'm sure everybody was scared. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough time. You don't know what you know until you know it. Right. But great point, you know. Um, getting back to uh, risk factors, um, um, the Center for Disease Control um, separates risk factors into um, things that you can change and things that you can't. Um, some of the things that I see here um, are eating unhealthy food, exposure to chemicals and cosmetics, um, exposure to chemicals in plastic and sunscreen, um, exposure to chemical in water. Um, getting older, genetic mutations, reproductive history, having dense breasts. Um, things that you can change um, are uh, smoking, um, alcohol smoking, use. Smoking puts you at higher risk for basically every cancer there is, so stop smoking. Uh, Sergeant Major, um, were you and your wife aware of some of the risks um, associated with breast cancer and um, after um, being diagnosed, um, could you identify some risks that may have played into that? Sure. I, I think, you know, because of, uh, you know, social media and, you know, the, the, um, the, explosion of social media and the internet, um, you're able to research these things. So you become more aware um, and, and you find out different things. You're able to research on your own. So my, my, I can speak for my wife in, in the fact that my wife's organic everything, organic milk, organic this, organic salads, organic, uh, it's organic everything. Um, my wife's not a smoker. Um, my, wife's, my wife is dense. Um, meaning, you know, when they, they, that's what, what one of the concerns was, it was so dense that they didn't know how big the, uh, the mass was. They could, they looked at it at the ultrasound, but. So can I comment on that? Sure. So that, the term dense by itself, especially if you're uh, female, might, might seem offensive, but what they're saying is, and the reason that's a risk factor is, if your breast tissue is dense, um, surrounding something that's abnormal in there, it's harder to see it yes. on the ultrasound or a mammogram. Just, yes. just so we're clarifying what that means. That's not a comment on anything else other than it makes it more difficult to find it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and I, you know, that's what I was getting at was that the fact that the, when they, <clears throat> and I think that's part of the reason why my, my wife was able to, you know, feel it so more because it was, Thick tissue. Tissue, right. So it's it's a growth. So anyway, um, but she didn't really have uh, anybody in her family that was um, diagnosed that we know about. Um, you know, her mother, her sister, her her aunts. Um, her her aunt did have a form of cancer. wasn't breast cancer. Um, so, but I think that you know you're always there's always that one thing. There's always that one person. So, um, you know, thank. Thank goodness she was very proactive and she, and cognizant of, uh, and I, I will say this, that um, it's not uncommon. Uh, I would hope to believe it's not uncommon, but my wife um, has several friends 
that had breast cancer, and it was extreme. You battled it. So we've we personally know four or five people, and I actually um, to to go backwards, if I may, um, <clears throat> when I was working in New York City, I had a, a young woman who was 32 years old that was diagnosed with it. Uh, it was in different stages. It was in a stage two, I believe, a late stage two. And she had to get both breasts removed and she battled this thing. And, you know, she was a runner, non-smoker, non-drinker, organic food, junkie. Uh, and so it's, when you hear this, you're like, you're, you're kind of, you. it scares you, it takes you back, so, yeah. Okay, um, so, Uh, Captain Oliver, is it safe to say that um, earlier detection is is the best thing um, in terms of, of breast cancer? Yes, early detection is how you you, you catch things uh, to save lives and awareness is, is how you, you get there with that. Um, but I just want to reiterate <clears throat> that that de-recommendation of doing self-breast exams monthly, like every month doing a self-breast exam, uh, on a population level, like when you're looking at statistics, will cause more harm than good because of unneeded surgeries. Um, but if you're in, in your routine of bathing yourself or, or getting dressed or whatever, you find something or you see something unusual on your breast uh, when you're in the mirror or whenever you, you, you happen to see it, you should get it looked at. It's not something you should ignore. Right, okay. Uh, does that make sense? That, that is where I was going. I was, I, I, my question is what do you say to, uh, because you said uh, the women that you just spoke about was 32. 32. Uh, what would you say to the person who was under the age, the recommended age for uh, starting your mammogram, um, annual mammograms, um, that wants to be, you know, health conscious or? Um, if there's no, if there's nothing to, to find on a physical exam, I wouldn't do it. Um, I wouldn't start doing screenings. Um, uh, because again, it, I would fear that you would result in unnecessary procedures or, or surgeries. Um, unless there are risk factors such as family history. Uh, does that make sense? Like I said at the, kind of the beginning, if, if you have a, uh, a family member, male or female, that was diagnosed with breast cancer, you should start getting screenings before that age. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I talked about statistics and population recommendations. At the level of the individual, that stuff doesn't matter. You know, if you find something, get it checked out. What are the, some of the things to look out for? So if you feel a lump, or there's this part of the breast that it feels more dense than others, um, or if you see um, changes in the skin. If you're not pregnant uh, and you start lactating, like producing milk, you need to get that looked at. Um, or if you notice uh, peau d'orange skin, which is just French for um, orange skin, like orange textured skin, like a, the skin of an orange, uh, that's not normal, you should get that looked at. Um, basically any change, you should get that looked at. Does that any, make sense? Any uh, visually 
It doesn't have to be visual. It could be to the touch as well. Um, so a couple of the other um, things that I see are um, changing the size or shape of the breast, uh, nipple pull back into the breast, uh, ridges, dimpling, or pitting in the breast, which you spoke to. Um, Sergeant Major, were there any um, warning signs that your wife uh, may have noticed before she went to get checked out? Could I just, any warning signs your wife would be okay with us talking about? Sure, I mean, I, I could answer that. I mean, if there were, she didn't let me know. So, it's kind of, um, I don't know, maybe if she was protecting me because of what was going on with the deployment, being away, not trying to, but I, I could definitely tell a change in her behavior. Um, and so when we talked about it, I knew after the fact, she had, she did tell me she's going to the doctor. She did, you know, it was a, a matter of fact, like I, I have this lump and I'm gonna go check it out. Better to be safe than sorry. Um, I will say, if I could back up though, yeah. I, I would say around 10 years ago or so, um, it might've been longer, but my wife did feel a lump in her breast and her other breast and she went to a doctor they did it, the biopsy, they removed it, um, and then they said, hey, it's not cancerous, but you know, you need to come back. So they, they did this. This time, I think it was different, um, and especially after she went to the doctor's visit, um, she, the doctor said, hey, we'll be in touch after the ultrasound, and then when she got the call, you know, she, she called me on the phone to say, hey, listen, uh, I want you to know that, because I, I kept thinking it was nothing, like it was gonna be like the last time. I, I was praying, you know? And she just said, no, it's, she's like, I've been diagnosed with stage one. Um, and I think the biggest concern at that point was how close to the lymph node it was, um, had it attacked the lymph node, what they were gonna do. And so you wouldn't know until you took, you know, they went in there to explore. So. He, he keeps on mentioning lymph nodes because that's, <clears throat> that's how cancer spreads, at least that's how it spreads quickly is once it gets in the lymph node system. It can spread more rapidly, just to clarify. That's not super valuable information for this, but just to clarify, um, that's why he keeps bringing it up. Well, I mean, it's because, yeah, I bring it up because like that was the big factor. That's what was scaring you. Yeah, yeah that's what was scaring me. If it, if it would have attacked it and how sometimes it can hide behind it, you don't see it, yeah. and then it becomes very aggressive at that point, so it could accelerate. Um, and so the big fear was, let's go in and get it out. And I, I will say that after they, they took it out, it, we still weren't out of the woods um, because there's a, I don't wanna say it's a new procedure, that sounds, but the doctor stated that um, they didn't know whether they were gonna continue with, they were gonna go forward with chemo or radiation. So they did surgery and then they talked about radiation afterwards. Right, and, and that's only after they did a biopsy of the actual tissue taken out and they did some kind of test to make sure it wasn't hereditary and they give it a score and if it's below the score of 25, I believe it is, then you know they you can go with radiation, anything over. That's above, that's above my head, yeah. what you're talking about. Well, I did a lot of research <laughs> after the fact, sir, so yeah. Um, just to clarify for our viewers, um, the types of treatment that are available that we were just talking about are? Surgical excision, which is doctor talk for just take it out. Um, and then um, radiation to the surrounding tissue in case they missed something 
it had spread out that farther, like a little farther than where they did the surgery on, <clears throat> the radiation will hopefully uh, take care of the cancer there. Yeah, it's not like a one-time thing. No. Right? My wife has to go every day now for eight weeks um, straight, eight weeks, and she's going to have to take medication, I guess. Chemo too? No chemo, sir. Okay. Um, it, she was lucky because when they did the biopsy, um, so, so there's different doctors, right? So you have your surgical doctor, then you have your, um, I, I forgot the, uh, I'm not good at, at this, but. Boy, um, nuclear medicine, or uh, basically it's a radiate, radiation oncology. Oncologist, right. Yeah. She has three different oncologists. The one that did the surgery, then the one that's going to treat her, and then, um, and so they all had a different thing going on. And so the doctors had told my wife, um, you know, we have to wait for this to come back before I decide whether I'm going to do a chemo or not. And so that, here you hold your breath, you know, to, yeah. and so it came back that she was able to go through radiation. And it, even then it's a procedure. You know, they, you go in and they, they tattoo you up, they mark the area, they zone it in. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. You brought up the, the different doctors that you're seeing uh, or your wife is seeing. Um, what What is the, the specific doctor that you would seek out if you feel like you might have breast cancer? So the first person you would go to is uh, primary care, like your family practice doctor or your family practice PA or nurse practitioner. I'm an emergency medicine physician, so that's a lot of people, um, they find a lump and they honestly, the first person they go to is an, is an ER doctor. Um, I'm not really equipped to get a whole lot done. Um, <clears throat> if it's a busy night and I'm, the department is full of people having heart attacks and strokes and gunshots and stabbings and whatnot, I just can't do a lot for you right then. If it's a slower shift, yeah, I can get an ultrasound, um, but that's kind of the extent of what I can do for you in the ER. You should, you should get things started with your primary care provider, whatever. Um, credentials they have to start that process and then once they get information back that's when they start sending you out to general surgery radiation oncology um, that kind of stuff uh, does that make sense yes sir okay okay um, sergeant major um, how has yours and your wife lives changed since diagnosis definitely um it hits home because, you know, you're, like I said, we were surrounded by a few people who've had breast cancer. We've seen it, you know, to, to what extent they, it changes their lives. So, um, you got three boys, you said, yes. and they're, are they all out of the house? No, no. So <laughs> that's part of the problem. But no, I mean, as a mother though, you know, you start worrying about all kinds of things and, and, you know, she is uh, very close to the boys, she's a mom. So, yeah. uh, and you know, here I am, four, 4,500 miles away, um, not being able to be there to, to drive her to radiation. You know, it, it affects me as well in different ways. So, my religious, you know, my my faith in God, um, my faith in family. Um, you know, the support groups back home are important. Um, and you know, it's not everybody may have that. When you have to find that um, that peace, so I I know she is um, she's worried every day. Um, you're not out of the woods. 
nobody says it can't come back. Nobody says it. You know, there's no guarantee. So now it's it's an awareness that she's going to have to. Um, it's always going to be there. But it's just, it's, there, but it's yeah. just the truth. Yeah, it's always there. So. The, it, like not the cancer, but the thought in the back not of your head. Not the thought. I mean, once you have something, you know, it's not saying that something can't grow on the other side, you know, um, but awareness, awareness, awareness. So um, this question is for both of you. Um, what tips would do you have for um, people that might be living with breast cancer or know or have family members that are affected with breast cancer? You from the, the family standpoint and you from the medical standpoint. Um, like just what, what to do if you've been diagnosed? Yeah. Um, so, number one is go to your doctor's appointments. Um, but um, I don't know if, if other doctors seeing this or will be pissed at me for saying it, uh, but uh, you're a human being, which means you have agency, which means you have the ability to make decisions for yourself. And if you don't like what your doctor is telling you, get a second opinion. Um, it's unlikely that if somebody diagnoses you with cancer that another doctor is gonna tell you that you don't have cancer, but if you don't feel like you're being presented with reasonable options or if somebody isn't giving you an option, um, you might want to find somebody that will or that will like talk to you about it because there's, you're not a, human beings are robots. There's just, there's no one thing that works best for everybody is what I would say. And um, if you're dealing with this, if, you, if you're a family member that's dealing with this to try and support it, um, the individual that has the cancer, uh, they're going to be tired and grumpy and they're going to have emotional swings and your job is to, I'm not going to say take it, but it's kind of to take it. It's kind of just shut up um, and it's not about you, you know what I'm saying? Um, and just try to be as supportive as you can because uh, that's what they need from you at that time. What do you have to, get any thoughts about that, Sergeant Major? Um. I would I would pretty much say that it's yeah, it's not about you at all. Um, I, I think it if you know psychologically for uh, a mother um, and a wife, there's so many nurturing things that go in there that are going through their mind. They're, they're the ones that are usually the rocks of the family. Right. Um, and now, you know, they're probably looking at it psychologically. It's it's going to be really hard. Um, yeah, for a parent? For a parent, especially a mother. Um, not that a father wouldn't feel the same, but for, for a mother, it's, you know, it's as much love as I know she has for my, my boys, uh, our boys rather, she's, you know, that's probably the biggest scare is that she's going to get ill and, you know, so, like you said, she's going to be tired, there's mood swings, just... They might not ask for help, particularly in this situation, um, and you just have to be their champion. You just have to do it. You just have to help even when they're not asking for it. Sometimes that's the... If you're trying to... <clears throat> Let me back up. If somebody's on chemo uh, or getting radiation or anything, uh, any additional stress can 
make it easier for them to get sick. So little things, uh, even if they seem insignificant, can make a big difference in taking it off someone's plate. So, so it's kind of ironic you said that, but you know, think about uh, not only being a mother, but being a, a professional, having a career, and you know, this factors into, because work takes a back seat to, to almost everything at that point. So, you know, she wasn't really, although my wife, you know, has a job, um, that, that becomes an afterthought because she's got to take care of number one. So, but I know it, you know, in her type of work, she, my wife works with autistic children and it's something that she loves to do. And she, it's not exactly stress-free. Um, you know, but the doctor told her, look, you're not going to be allowed to go back to work for a while. Um, the radiation's going to... Knock your immune system down, be a bunch around sick kids. So, They're always got something, especially at a school. It's, so she's really, she's really got to take care of herself in a sense you know, just be very careful with everything, not to, because her immune system, and that's the biggest fear, I, I believe, is that what the immune system is going to go through once the radiation starts kicking in, so it's, it's challenging. Yeah. I, I would say this, and this is kind of something that um, I, I want to say, because I, you know, you have different forms of cancer, and everybody says, um, hey, it's lung cancer, it's breast cancer, it's colon cancer, and men, there's any type of cancer is horrific. I mean, it, it'll devastate the body. I, I would say, though, when you look statistically across the United States, it really opens up your eyes because, you know, some of these in these rural places, it's, some of these services aren't, like, we live in a metropolitan area where there's doctors, you can't breathe without a doctor hitting a doctor. And so in these rural areas where you don't have medical professionals or a woman, uh, you know, you may not have a, a primary care physician within 150 miles of where you're at. Yeah. You know, uh, so the awareness is, hey, we, we need people to step up and understand that, you know, there's, there's resources out there that we have to, to get to these places because of one in every, it's one in every eight, I believe you said, sir? That's the statistic from the CDC that yeah. when I was reading up, I believe it was like one in eight. That's, yeah. a, that's correct. That, that is, that's scary. It's incredible. It's scary. Like, I mean, and not in a good way, but it's just like, it's, so, it's an incredible fact. And you know, right now, healthcare in the United States is a big, big thing. And not having access to healthcare or primary care doctors is just, it's, it's amazing to me that, you know, here we are, the most powerful nation in the world. And you know, a, a, somebody may develop a form of cancer and not even know because they don't have the ability to go see a doctor. You're not going to get any argument from me on that. The, yeah, the bleeding heart doctor, you know, he's not going to no, disagree with you. This makes you, I mean, this really opened up my eyes to it because it's, I go through my life every day with a, I wasn't affected really by it personally until, you know, I, this happened. And then when I started reading on it, I was kind of ignorant, you know, until this happened. And so... For anybody listening, you know, do what you got to do. We have to do something and make sure that we take care of um, this, this, this issue and get them help. You know, mammograms, there's different organizations. You brought, you brought one up. Um, there's other organizations maybe we, that are a little political that I probably shouldn't bring up, but you can figure it out from what I'm saying, that I think offer uh, free um, mammograms that they're out there. Um, but and One of the statistics I saw that was really, like, was was kind of um, 
it doesn't matter your race or ethnicity. This is this is the number one cause. It's unbiased. It's unbiased. So that's something. It's I don't know how to put it out there in plain English that it doesn't matter, race or ethnic. It just it's it's awful. On that on that note, um, and you both have kind of hit on it. Um, throughout this conversation, but uh, it's important to note that uh, breast cancer does not just affect women, um, it can also be seen in men. Um, as a matter of fact, less than one, well, one, less than 1% 1 of all breast cancers occur in men. Uh, but in 2019, about 2,670 men are expected to be diagnosed with the disease. Um, Dr. Oliver, um, can you speak to uh, the importance of men being um, conscious about breast cancer? I would say it's the same, <clears throat> the same kind of things apply, that if you find something that's unusual, it's unusual for a reason. You should get it looked at. Um, and I'm just guessing right now. I don't know for sure because I haven't looked into the statistics of this, but my guess is that if um, you were looking at the percentages of men versus the percentages of women, not, not whole numbers because it's going to be less in men, but the percentage of men that are diagnosed at a later stage compared to the amount of women that are diagnosed at a later stage, men are probably more commonly diagnosed at a later stage because they're probably less likely to go get it looked at because they think it's a, a women's disease. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's, that would say that's, I'm guessing, but it, I suspect I'm right. So if you see something, you should get it looked at. Go get it looked at. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything that either of you would like to add to the conversation? I don't really have anything else. I, my big thing was just pushing out the United States Preventative Services Task Force. And people can go there and look things up themselves. It's written in plain English. It's not in doctor talk. Um, so people can look up the science for themselves there. That they do that intentionally so people can educate themselves. Um, but that's... The, them, the, them and the CD, CDC are the two places to look at, but my first stop would be USPSTF. I, clearly, CDC is easier to remember than that mouthful, but that's the place I'd go look first. Yeah, just, you know, this has got to be advocated. Um, people need to start researching this more and more. And understanding, like we said earlier, it's not about race or ethnicity. It's it it's affects everybody in uh, here in Kosovo. I mean, what type of medical services do you think that these some of these where the unemployment rate here is almost 35 percent? Access to health care, you know. I'll I'll say, from what I've seen so far, I'm actually pretty impressed with their infrastructure, their medical infrastructure, but. It's probably, there's probably a lot of things that go undiagnosed. Yes, and so, you know, here we are in the United States, you know, we have all these powerful tools of social media, we have the web, we have all this stuff that everybody has access to. So um, if you know anybody, I, I would say to um, just encourage them if they, you know, have you gotten checked out? You need to have conversations about it. Um, and not be afraid to bring up the conversations because you may make somebody aware of, hey, you're right, you know, I'm 35, I'm 40, you know, maybe look into their family history a little better. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't remember ever 
having a conversation, um, being privy to a conversation where we sat down and said, hey, did anybody in our family have breast cancer or anybody in your family have this cancer? And, you know, anybody be able to go back and say, as a matter of fact, yeah, you know, your great-grandfather had it. You know, it's usually not a conversation that comes up, right, unless it's been recent. Sure, unless it affects your family. Affects your family, yeah. So at this point, uh, it's something that you would push to your, your children to uh, practice in their family. I doubt that you have to at this point. I, I would say this, uh, even here, you know, I came back to Camp Bonsteel and I knew that October is Cancer Awareness Month and I've tried to force feed this to the junior council, the senior leadership, you know, raise awareness, um, <clears throat> you know, doing a fundraiser to where if we could, you know, if we could raise enough money maybe for, for 10 women to go out and get a mammogram, hey, you may save one life by, by being able to fundraise and do something like that if they couldn't afford it. So um, there's different organizations um, that are out there, even on the mainland, that they look for volunteers all the time. So I, I don't think there's any greater good that a person can do is the volunteer. And so I encourage everybody to, to pick a cause that they feel, um, you know, they feel they, they, they want to participate in. and Something you're passionate about. Something you're passionate about, yeah. You took the words, that's what I was trying to think. You're passionate about and making a difference. So um, in summation to our listeners, um, educate yourself. Um, if you are interested in resources to stay up to date on breast cancer research, uh, the American Cancer Society can be found at www.cancer.org. The National Cancer Institute is www.cancer.gov. Um, if you are living, living with breast cancer um, and want to get information on living well with breast cancer, uh, you can find that at breastcancer.org or the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Foundation, which is www.komen.org. Again, that's www.komen.org. Um, I want to thank both of you for joining us today. Um, of course. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Um, I, again, I am Specialist Linwood Thomas, and this has been a Rock or Something podcast. <laughs>